What's up? This is Josh Todd from Buckcherry. You're talking rock with Dave and Shane. Check it out. Hi, everybody. This is Ron Halford. The Rudy Sergeant. Hey, this is Steve Hackett. You folks are just Rick Evans and Triumph. And we're talking rock with Dave and Shane. Uh, Josh Todd, man, volume 10. We were listening to some of the stuff out right now, and uh, it's, it, it's killer, man. It's hard to believe this is like number 10 for you guys. Is it? Is this pretty surreal for you? Yeah, man. I mean, we work really hard. You know, we're always we're always moving towards something. We're always on the road, you know, um, so it kind of goes by fast. And then all, all of a sudden, you know, here you are at uh, 10 records and 24 years in the game. And, you know, it's it's pretty special and we're enjoying, you know, uh, riding this wave. Uh- Talk about kind of the production here. I mean, you're working with Marty, who's you know produced so many you know major bands like your like yourself. I mean, what, what was it like working with Marty on this project? How did you guys link up? Yeah, you know, Marty, uh, we worked with him way back in the day on the 15 record. Uh, he co-wrote uh, "Sorry" with us, you know, and um, it was just a good pairing, you know. Um, when we get with Marty, he's kind of like the sixth band member, you know. He just really. Uh, he really understands what makes Buck Cherry special and uh, he's a very talented guy as well, you know, so we get really excited when we get in a room with him and there's always just uh, magic that comes out of that, you know, because um, we're all bringing our A game, you know. I was reading uh, some of the reviews on YouTube. I always like to to see what people think of stuff and uh, several people were saying about the new songs. Uh, one, one person said one of the only true rock bands still jamming providing good time music which uh is something i wanted to ask you about i mean there aren't a lot of bands doing what you guys do you know another person said uh it's the best new music i've heard in a long time thank god someone is still putting songs out in this style yeah i mean you guys are doing your own thing and it's uh before we had aerosmith black crows all those kind of bands we really don't have them we're not going to have them soon you know yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, we've been doing our own thing since uh, the first record, actually. You know, when we came out, it was like all rap rock music and um, kind of like those shoegazer bands, like that nerd rock type stuff with the Buddy Holly glasses and they're looking down at their <laughs> shoes. And we, we, we weathered that storm and then it went into like all the Creed type bands, you know, um, which is the act of rock uh, uh, <laughs> decade where you know everything gets lost and um you know uh and we just keep doing our own thing and keep showing up and we we kind of based our our reputation on our live show and kept building that up and kept putting out records and and here we are 24 years later we're still uh surviving and going strong i mean it sounds amazing yeah, is there like a, it's like a summertime spirit with this record, you know? I mean, uh, Shine Your Light, obviously a cover of uh, Summer of 69 on there. Uh, I, I, by the way, how did you guys uh, decide to cover uh, that that track? Yeah, we had just done it live a bunch of times uh, for fun. We'd throw it out there. Love the song, you know, huge fans of Brian Adams, you know, and I've loved that song since I was a kid, you know, and I, I always, I think there's songs for musicians where they're just like, damn, I wish I would have wrote, wrote that song you know and that's one of the songs for me i mean i just that's how much i love it i think it's a masterpiece and um 
So uh, honestly, you know, our manager saw it one day live and he's like, you guys got to record that song, you know? And I'm like, yeah, we'll record it sometime. That'd be fun. Didn't think much of it, you know? And he just kept hammering the issue all the way to uh, we're in writing for volume 10, you know, and he kept on on us. And I'm, I'm glad he did because it was the last song that we recorded. I just went in there and ripped it out. And, uh, you know, uh, it came out really special, you know? I mean, we sped it up a little bit. It's a little faster than the original. And when you hear it, it sounds like a Buck Sherry song, you know, but it's a Brian Adams song, you know? So uh, that's, that's a sign of a really great song. You know, you can speed it up or slow it down and it's still amazing. You know, you guys recorded in Nashville. Nashville is just becoming huge, man. It's like a, it's like the center of the universe now with with just regular <laughs> rock and roll. Everybody says that, yeah. I mean, a lot of songwriters move there, and so we just go there because our label's there, and Marty lives there too. You know, so it's 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 easier for us to go there. You know, um, I was I was telling, uh, you know, I was talking about Marty, and he's uh. You know, he becomes like the sixth band member when we're together. We wrote a lot of songs together on Hellbound and Volume 10. He and I and Stevie, and we just get in the room and we have this assembly line process and we work very fast and efficiently and we always do what's best for the song. And it's uh, it's really a lot of fun uh, working with him. Um, I think he really enjoys working with us too. You know, we just, we have this vibe, you know, and it's, and it's really uh, all work. We, we work our asses off when we're together you know there's not a whole lot of horsing around you know so um when i go to nashville everybody's like what's it like in nashville like what do you do when you're there and i'm like i don't do anything except <laughs> i go to the studio and record vocals all day and then i go back to the hotel room and i eat and then i i write lyrics all night and melodies and then i go back to the studio you know so i'm not doing much in nashville except working you know but um Occasionally I'll get out and go fishing or, I'll, I, you know, I like to play tennis. I go play tennis, but that's about it. Is yeah, there we were bass, is there go good bass ahead. fishing down there, Josh? Yeah, there's good bass fishing, you know. Uh, I got a friend I fish with there and, um, you know, we will go find lakes. And then when he's unavailable, I go to like, you know, where you can find good bass is at golf courses you know you go into golf <laughs> golf courses have like these little ponds all over the golf course and they always have good bath mm. but you have to you kind of got to go in and try not to get kicked out i've been kicked out of a lot of golf courses trying to fish <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> no note to self there right um <laughs> Yeah, we were talking to uh, Richie Faulkner. He was saying the same thing. Nashville's just, I, I mean, all the all the metal there, and and you know, it's like it's literally Music City now. I mean, you know, plus Gibson right yeah. there, that always helps. You know, that's like a mecca for guitar guitar nerds, at least like me, I guess. But <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, let me ask you this: You guys, you've had a, a few different lineups over the years, but this this lineup feels tighter than, um, I mean, among the tightest. Like, what's it like for you? I mean, putting this lineup together uh, that we've seen in recent years, and and does it it feel like it has that tightness to you and just that groove in the pocket, all of that just locked in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. And we get along really well. It's, it's, it's the best it's ever been, you know, honestly, I'm not just saying that, but I'm just, uh, you know, we, we're all, we're all lifers, all these guys in this band, you know, everybody's in it because they're passionate about music and, and the main focus is uh, being as great as we can be every night. You know what I mean? That's what got, you know, we lost sight of that back in the day with all the other, you know, members, you know, and that's why you have to make changes, you know. So um, 
it's great. We're, we're loving life. You know, uh, Billy Rowe is like, he's the newest guy and he's really great. Uh, you know, he was in jet boy for a long time and he's just a lovely guy and a great player. And, you know, and Stevie's been with me since, uh, 2004 and, yeah. you know, Kelly's been in the band a long time now and, and Francis as well, you know, and it's just, um, I, I go through a gratitude list every day and I always, you know, out loud by myself. And, uh, always, I'm always really grateful for those guys. And we're really, uh, having a good time. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a deeper question, but, uh, David, uh, from disturbed recently just said, uh, last week in the press that he was, uh, almost joined Chester, Chris Cornell, Scott Whelan, um, just from his depression and drug use. Have you ever been in that place in, in your career? Like where, you know, lifestyle so, so, so damn crazy and there's a plethora of stuff being thrown at you. Have you ever, can you relate to that statement or? Absolutely. You know, I'm, uh, I'm an alcoholic, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've been clean and sober from drugs and alcohol for 28 years. And um, although you take away the drugs and alcohol, it's just a symptom of the problem. The problem is your mind, you know, between your ears, I'm, I'm different than a normal guy walking the street, you know? So um, because of that, I call it the committee and the committee between my ears can be an asset or a liability for sure. You know, so you have to, you have to do a lot of things to um, manage that and to understand uh, those particular voices in your head that are telling you, um, you know, that really want to get you isolated from people and get you to drink and use, you know, and um, uh, there's a lot of things that I do. Um, uh, I'm very active in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, uh, you know, I meditate, I, uh, I show up, you know, at a lot of meetings to this day, I'm still a work in progress and I just work really hard on, you know, staying, uh, focused on, you know, the fact that, um, this, this thing and this thing that I got is always lying in wait and you have to really take it seriously or you can find yourself, uh, giving into those dark thoughts. And I know what he's talking about, you know, um, I'm also a child of suicide. You know, my, my father uh, took his own life when I was 10 and uh, really, really affected me, you know? So that is kind of a non-negotiable for me. There's no way I'm, I'm gonna do that. I have children and I just know what that did to me as a kid, you know? It really, uh, it gave me a lot of abandonment issues, um, you know, uh, made me very angry inside, you know? I had a big hole inside that I was filling with anything I could get, you know? Um, and so, uh, because of that, it's just not something that I will even entertain, you know, although I do have suicidal thoughts occasionally, you know? Um, so I know what, I know what he's talking about and, you know, it's something to take very seriously and hopefully he's getting some help for that. Is it, um, how hard is it, you know, 28 years, you know, sobriety, congratulate. That's not, easy I'm, I'm sure man thank you how do you how do you um put those people around you i think ace freely was talking about how he's he's been you know he's got 14 15 years sober i think maybe more let's than that. go he, that's great yeah, yeah man and he was he would talk about how you know it's so important to have those guys around him to keep them away from those you know alcohol or whatever how hard is it yeah. to have those pick those people and have them around you in a strategic way or whatever you need so that um you can keep that that track going 
It's not really hard. If you, if you really work on your um, foundation, you know, in recovery, then you can be around people that are, you, you know, I don't, I don't preach this. I don't tell people not to drink or use, I don't, you know, I'm not that guy, you know, um, yeah. but I do have a lot of sober guys around me. You know, Stevie is a long time sober. Uh, Francis is sober. You know, he doesn't drink anymore. He hasn't drank for the whole time I've known him, you know, um, Billy, Billy will, I think he occasionally has a drink, but he's like a normie guy, you know, and, um, and, you know, uh, I, I won't, I don't want to talk about other people cause sure, yeah. you know, that's their, their business, but, yeah. um, you know, we'll, we'll have crew guys and band, you know, band guys that, that use occasionally, but it's not like if it's a problem, then we talk about it. We address it. You know, I don't turn people away because they have a problem, but if it starts affecting the work, then we got something to talk about. Right. Yeah. I got you. Well, I mean, back in the, in your early days with, with slam hound and stuff i mean um yeah always, i was a always, mess i was a total always, always, we were a fucking we were hell on wheels that man <laughs> we were all really fucking bad off and you know what i talk about that you know thank god that that band imploded at one point because if it we we came very close to being successful you know having a, a good yeah. career and i was like thank god it didn't happen because we would have probably all been dead yeah Wow. Well, that would any of that stuff ever get a, a official release, like the Slamhound stuff? Just you know, we, rec so we recorded a whole. Good. Yeah, we recorded a whole record. Um, right. And uh, and then the the label that we are on was called Skydoor Records. It was a little indie label. We almost got signed by Atlantic, but uh, that's a long story. Yeah. But um, it it like it like all the financial backing got removed before we could put out the record and it was like that was it and then the whole band imploded after that you know so um there's a record that's the done i don't i don't have access to it the masters okay. i they, i don't own them so i can't do anything with it but you know when i look if you heard this record you know it's it's very we're very green you know it, but there's a charm to it and i think people would like it but you know, it'd be hard for me to release it without like maybe going and re-recording stuff and, and then it wouldn't be as cool as it is, you know. I, I was going to ask you, would you go in, are there tracks you'd want to go in and, you know, kind of redo or? or I mean, I am singing, I am singing so high in my register. I mean, I started, <laughs> yeah. that band was like when I was 20 or 19, mm -hmm. I think when I started that in, uh, in LA, mm -hmm. you know, so. I'm like screaming way high in my register. I can't even do that now. So, you know, I'd have to, we'd have to change the key. And there, there's a lot of stuff with the arrangements of songs. It could be a lot better, you know, but I wouldn't want to mess with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Who were your influences in that band? Was that like Jane's Addiction, that kind of stuff? Was there, I know they were huge at that time. And Oh no, you know, I grew up, I grew up in, uh, I'm a native Californian. I grew up in Orange County, California. And a lot of, I, I love music, period, like all all genres of music. But when I was a kid, I was really I had a huge punk rock uh, uh, collection. I listened to bands like just independent labels like uh, Seven Seconds and the oh, Toy Dolls yeah. and mm. GBH and Rudimentary P9 and like uh, Social Distortion, this band Doggy Style and DI and stuff like that, you know, SNFU, Blast. Uh, I was just into really aggressive uh, music. And then, and then, you know, I'd sneak in my sister's room and mm -hmm. she would, I would listen to Prince and Billy Idol and 
you know, Yaz and Apollonia six and Sheila E. I was into all that stuff too. So it was just all over the place. What was uh, those early years? I mean, you know, like the glam scene and everything, like, was it just like, just talent everywhere, like everywhere you looked. I mean, I mean, just some of the bands you were describing, it must've must been just talent galore, like just all around. Yeah, you know, it was fun. You, you had to actually go out of your house and go to a record store. And, you know, I was into collecting records. I was into I would bootleg records. I go to my friend's house and we would, you know, I would make like compilations on cassette tapes, just anything. I just loved music, you know, and then my mom would put on records and clean the house every Sunday. And uh, she would she would put on like Rod Stewart and Kenny Kenny Rogers and Willie Nelson and the Eagles and I was in all that stuff you know oh, I just liked good good music I mean I just from a very early age I loved music you know and like my sister was two and a half years older than me right so she she had hot friends and and I wanted to impress them so <laughs> so I I had blonde hair when I was a kid and I I would spike up my hair and I looked like Billy Idol and so I would do I would do these like Billy Idol performances in front of my sister's friends just to get like them going, you know, and they were, they were all into it, you know? And so I was just, I knew, I, I knew what I was going to do. You know, I just didn't know how I was going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to see a lot of those bands? DI, Doggy Style, um, Seven Seconds. Uh, yeah. Did- like the, the drummer from DI dated my sister and he lived with us for a while. Stevie dirt. He was in heavy dirt too. You know, um, I went to all the, you know, I was, I was going to all ages clubs. My first, all the first shows I saw was Fender's ballroom in long beach. And I saw the Ramones there blast SNFU, you know, Oh my God. Um, it was nuts, you know? Um, yeah. And then, you know, all the, all my first shows, I was too young to play clubs. So we played house parties in, in orange County, you know? Yeah. All, all those bands you described, you know, certainly had those big moments of change in era when they hit. And and you guys, you know, Buck Cherry had that. I mean, with, with you know, with, with uh, Lit Up and and Sorry and, you know, yeah, yeah. Bitch and everything. It was like, what was, I was in high school and you guys, when you guys broke in the riff in Detroit, it was like, holy crap. I mean, this it was everywhere, you know, and, and I'm sure it was like that around the country. What was it like for you guys to be kind of at the forefront of like that next movement in rock music because you guys really were i mean kind of late 90s going into the, the 2000s what was that like man how crazy was yeah that? you know we were always kind of a black sheep though you know like when we came out we weren't in mainstream like i was telling you guys when we we're mainstream yeah. rock we you know it was like when we dropped it was like the limp biscuits and you know rage yeah. against the machine and stuff like that was going on you know and we were this band that was like people liked us because there was nothing like us out there. You know, I think that's why, you know, um, and we had songs, you know, like lit up was our first hit. And like, that was a really magical time for us. Um, you know, cause we'd never, we felt the power of radio at that time, you know, it was like really amazing. You know, we would go to places that we had never been and we were, we'd have a sold out, you know, club show and we'd be like, how's this happening? Yeah. And it was because of this song that was reacting on radio, you know? So and then we got to play Woodstock 99 and do all these, like and play with a lot of our heroes, you know, like ACDC and Aerosmith and stuff like that and Kiss. And it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I Did remember you, you talked s- about Woodstock one time. That was just like, I mean, what, what a pinnacle that was, you know, to play the. Yeah. The, you know, we were there yeah. the first night we were there the first day. And because we weren't quite as big at the time, we went on pretty early on yeah. Friday and then we got out of there because we had to go play shows. And so, 
like I saw the Woodstock thing on Netflix and it was like, oof, it was, it's just (laughs) what it turned into was very sad, you know? Um, But, you know, we were, we got in and out, you know, and it was amazing. I think it was like 50,000 people in front of us at the time, or maybe not that much, but it was crazy, you know? Um, And uh, yeah, we did our thing and, and left. And, you know, I got to meet James Brown that day. And that was like, I'm like, I can die now. I met James Brown. You know, I took a picture of James Brown. <laughs> oh, my know? God. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh. Was yeah. that was that whole thing? I mean, it was obviously in that Netflix documentary, it was painted as, you know, this giant failure. I mean, did you. Which is kind of a shame because it cast a, a pall over the whole thing. I mean, yeah, this like white boy misogyny party or something. I mean, what yeah. were you kind of we kind of disgusted when you. Uh, when you find, when you sat down and watched that, or did you kind of, you know, know, I think, you know, there, you, you, it's hard to blame just the people that attended, you know, they had a part in it. And then the people that were putting on the event had a huge part in it. You know, I mean, you have to be prepared when you're bringing in that many people. And when you're not, it, it turns into chaos, you know, I mean, that's, it, it's unfortunate, but you know, um, it just all was uh, a drag you know, for an entertainer and, and people that want to go there. We, we just want, we want people to enjoy themselves, but not start like, you know, the, the nonsense that was going on there. It's just very sad, you know, and uh, it, it's like they were rebelling though against the event and like how they were handled and treated. And it was, you know, two rights don't make a, I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. You know what I mean? So um, yeah. yeah that's that's what i got back from it and uh it's unfortunate but i mean as an artist we didn't even know that was going on we just we came in we get we go to the vip you know where the artist is we're behind the stage and then we go do the show and then we're we're out of there you know that was the extent of it for us you know so but it's very sad yeah yeah and um meantime you guys um as time goes on i mean what is there a challenge in being creative? I mean, I mean, you're obviously following your passion, so it comes from within, but is there, has it, what, what's been like the most challenging process for you over the years in, in being creative and kind of just keeping going? Uh, being creative and keeping going is not challenging. You know, what's challenging is dealing with uh, the business side of things and uh, band members and managing band members and crew guys and, and then dealing with uh, record labels and management, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a lot. And you have to, you have to be very strong to kind of uh, roll through that over the years because there's changes and you have to put on different hats. And, you know, I think that's what uh, ruins a lot of bands. That's why a lot of bands never get to this moment in their career, you know, um, because, uh, because of all these things uh, that can just uh, ruin a band, you know? So um, you have to be very careful. You got to be very aware. You know, I think if I wasn't clean and sober through the whole thing, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we talked to Zach, Zach Whitford a, a few years back. Um, he kind of grew up, you know, as a kid on the road with Aerosmith. Um, right. Now he's like awesome, one of the most awesome guy. Yeah. One of the most well-adjusted dudes we've we've ever talked to, you know. Lovely guy. He's got a lovely son too. Yeah. Is that when you, do you take your kids on the road? Is that something that you do? Is uh, you you want them away from that whole experience? Is, or is that something that you've considered? 
I haven't taken them on the road. You know, my son now is 14 and I'm, I'm like, Hey, if you want a job, you want to work this summer, like come, come work with me. And he just, he, he likes being home and he's, you know, done a few things where he's traveled and he's like, dad, I don't know how you do it. I don't want to, you know, I'm like, whatever, you know, I, I totally understand. I don't want to push him in that direction at all. You know, he's got his own thing and you know, this, this lifestyle, for my kids is not attractive to them because they've had a, they've seen what I've gone through, you know, um, they respect it and, and all that, but you know, it's not something that he wants to do. Maybe he'll want to do it in the future, but I told him if you, if you want to go to work, I go, but it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta man up and get out there and, and do it. You know, it's not easy being on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, um, you know, various artists like, you know, Steve, look at there's got you know, his son, Trev is out there and, and doing really cool stuff. And, you know, some artists like when their kids are out, you know, maybe following in the footsteps and some don't, you know, or, or some just want them to do their own thing, but either way, yeah. it's gotta be great and very fulfilling as a father to see him coming into his own, right. You know, whatever he wants to do. Yeah, it's great. I want him to, I don't, you know, I don't care if he's has anything to do with the music business, you know, yeah. and I have two daughters, you know, I have a daughter that's 28 with two kids, you know, I'm a, I'm a grandparent. So, um, you know, and I have another daughter at 17, you know, and, uh, she's, she's into acting and, and so that's her, her passion, you know? So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I just want to be supportive and always, uh, be an open vessel for them when they need to talk and, or do anything, you know, grandpa, Josh, Come grandpa Josh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Do, is there a plan for like a, a like a kick-ass buck cherry like vinyl box set or anything like that? A couple of people were asking me. That'd be you know, cool. That a vinyl box set. I mean, we're we're doing vinyl every time we release records now, and you know, yeah, vinyl vinyl is like the is what we sell the most as far as physical copies go now too. It's it's crazy. You know, it's it's yeah. so cool this whole vinyl movement that's going on. I love it. You know, I, I don't know, excuse me. That's a good question. And we'll have to, I'll, I'll marinate on that and, tell, and talk to my manager about it. <laughs> Is it, I know you, you said you're, you uh, collect vinyl. I mean, what, what was, what was your first record? Uh, Shane, we always ask people like, yeah. what, what's your first, like, what was your first uh, like vinyl record? I don't know, but I can tell you, I don't know what my first vinyl record was, but I can tell you the coolest vinyl record I have. Uh, I, I used to, I used to listen to this band called doggy style. Right. Mm -hmm. And they had a, they had, their hit was donut shop rock. Right. Mm -hmm. But you, I bought a doggy style record and it was green vinyl and it had, it had people around the record, all doing it doggy style around the record. <laughs> it was so great. You know, it was just a chain of people doing yeah. it doggy style around the record. I wish I, I had that record. Very creative. I, sold, I had a, I had an amazing <laughs> punk rock collection, and I sold it all for drugs one time. Oh man, yeah, yeah. That's, stupid. Because <laughs> <laughs> you probably had a lot of the original stuff. A lot of that that Gasatanka stuff is hard to find now. Real hard to find. Yeah. Oh man, were you a fan of Black Flag? Is that somebody you got? To I love Black or? Flag. I had a, I have a, I had a seven inch. Uh, with a song called six pack on it and yeah. to this day i cannot find that song six pack i wanted to cover it oh man yeah i think they still sell it sst still sells stuff but uh um, yeah yeah I'm not, I'm that was a sure great that, great label 
One of the best. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was surprised to hear you say blast because they were, uh, they were a little later, but, um, I think I they're first, a Northern California band, right? Yeah. They were Something like, like uh, they were like black flag junior in a way. It was kind of cool. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> I was, I'm a huge fan of minor threat too. Yeah. Yeah. What's a, you know, back home, like, what's the scene? Oh, I know you're in Nashville now, but like, like, have you paid it? Is there, is there like a California scene now, you know, with some of those newer bands? Oh, I'm not, like, I'm not in Nashville. I'm at home. Oh, oh, oh uh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Is a California scene, music scene? Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, what are some of the bands that, nah. that no, nothing, huh? Yeah. No, there hasn't been a, like a music scene here since like probably early nineties, you know, mm. like that was the last time. Uh, But, you know, I mean, there's, there's a music scene wherever you want it now. It's just creating it, you know, there, you don't have to be anywhere anymore. You don't have to migrate to a city or go to Seattle or go to LA or go to Nashville. You don't have to do any of that. You just need to write great songs and, and be great. Yeah.